Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the DCAE Review. Before we start, um, Liam and I talked about before we go on the air and start talking about 25-year-old cartoons. Um, it seemed like it would be wrong not to address what is happening in the world. We're not a political podcast. We're not a podcast that likes to discuss political issues, but we don't believe that what's happening in the world right now is a political issue. Um, so I think it would be it would just be poignant for us to be able to just to share our hearts uh, for what we're seeing going on in the world, Liam. Uh, yeah, that's right. And uh, you know, we never want to, as as Cal said, talk about political or social issues just to make ourselves feel better or to pay lip service or to you know go, hey everybody, look how look how woke we are or any of any of that. Like and like and like you said, Cal, uh, I don't I think you, both of us are very much in agreement that this is really not a a political issue at all. It's a, uh, you know, it's an issue of justice. It's an issue of uh, equality. And um, so, yeah, when, when, when George Floyd was murdered, that obviously set off a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a, a tidal wave of, of protests, both, you know, peaceful and non-peaceful. Uh, and, uh, and a lot of instances of police brutality against the people that were protesting police brutality. Um, and obviously, as we sit here again, we're not we're not looking to offer a lot of in-depth analysis on that, because, again, that's not really our, our wheelhouse on this show. Uh, but we did think it was important to uh, to point out that, yes, we, you know, um, Black Lives Matter. And until <laughs> until Black Lives Matter, all lives can't matter. So. Um, just wanted to offer our, our support and our, our prayers and our well wishes to everyone who's who's been affected and has currently been affected to those who are going out and exercising their rights to to protest and to uh, speak on behalf of the people that can no longer speak for themselves and to seek justice for those who can no longer seek justice for themselves. Uh, that is a very noble cause. And uh, yeah, as, as we said, we're we're, we're going to get get into our, our main show here in a moment here, but we, we thought it was worth addressing this and, and, uh, and making it clear where we stood on this issue. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't think it's very difficult for me how anybody and full disclosure, Liam and I don't agree. We joke a lot about how we agree <laughs> on almost everything on our podcast, but politically Liam and I tend to be polar opposites on some things. Um, so yeah. The fact that we know that this isn't a political issue, this is something, this is about justice, this is about equality, this is about human life and human rights and standing up for the people um, that have been oppressed and abused and um, and that have been tried to be silenced. Um, you know, we felt, felt it was important, again, just to at least start the show saying Black Lives Matter and that until they, until they, their lives matter, um, we we can't say that all lives matter, like you said. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 109 of the DCAU Review. I am your host, Cal, with me, the other host of our program, my good brother, good friend, and the gentleman that runs our Twitter page. That's right. It's Liam. Liam, it is episode 109 of the DCA Review, and we're in a new month. So you know what that means. 
Yeah, this is a new show, or, I mean, we've viewed it before, so it's not really new, but it's new <laughs> new to, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's a show we weren't covering last week, and that's why <laughs> we've returned, we've returned to the world of Superman, the animated series, uh, and we're picking up with another villain origin episode, we've covered a few of those in our past reviews of Superman, and here we have another one with the debut of the Parasite in Feeding Time. That's right. This is uh, episode six of Superman, the animated series. Uh, if you're keeping track at home, this uh, episode debuted back on September 21st, 1996. So we're coming up on the 24 year anniversary this September. And uh, Liam, as you said, Superman returns uh, like that. Hmm. That would be a good thing. Nah, that would be a good name for a movie, you know? Um, yeah, I hope they don't cast anyone terribly problematic as Lex Luthor in, in that movie. <laughs> oh, man. Forgot about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. yeah that, that's, that's It's a good thing that movie didn't... I mean, I love Brandon Routh, and yeah. I guess if any time to talk about a Superman Returns soapbox, <laughs> I'll say Brandon Routh is definitely the best part of that movie and deserved better than he ended up getting. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's 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 probably for the best that that movie is forgotten. Agreed. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're, yes, moving on. We're, so we are talking about feeding time. And uh, Liam, we had take we mentioned it last week, but we sort of just kind of unbeknownst and, and sort of without realizing it had gone many many episodes without reviewing Superman the animated series. Almost 30 episodes uh, in between uh, our not not counting uh, our our. Uh, our bonus episodes here uh, in between in between our last Superman review and today. So actually a little over, I think 30, maybe 32 episodes. So it's been a while since we visited Metropolis. We did have our, our Elseworld Superman month, which, uh, you know, gave us a, a taste of the man of steel and in different other versions in the animation world. But uh, it was, it's refreshing to be back here uh, in uh, DCAU Metropolis. So before we get into our plot and our story today, I'm sure you have the IMDb synopsis ready to go uh, for this week's episode. Indeed I do. And as you mentioned, Cal, this is for the episode Feeding Time, which was written by Robert Goodman, directed by Kurt Gaeta, with music by Michael McQuistian. And that synopsis reads as such. A lowly janitor is transformed into the Parasite, a superhuman capable of draining and harnessing the energy, powers, and memories of any living being. Ellipses, including Superman. <laughs> uh, thanks for verbalizing the punctuation there. It was, it was needed. Um, all right. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good one. Uh, you know, great job, people that, that wrote that one. So... <laughs> As you said, this is the introduction of a character who does reappear multiple times in Superman the Animated Series and, of course, shows up later on in Justice League, uh, to my recollection. So yeah. so we have a, a long-standing villain here who is another one of those... Uh, I, I feel like he's a classic Superman rogue, but at the same time, I feel like he didn't really show up in the comics until like the 90s. I, I don't know. I could be could be mistaken there, but he is he's one of the, he's not a golden age supervillain uh, super from my understanding. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, I think he's one of those. And we saw a few of these uh, much like with Batman, the animated series. I think they would occasionally kind of reinvigorate a character sort of like they did with Mr. Freeze. I think uh, villains like the Parasite uh, kind of got uh, once they were used in the in the show, they kind of got a little more uh, relevance and 
were used a little more frequently in the in the comics uh, going forward after that. So, yeah, he's definitely one of uh, someone that benefited from appearing so frequently on, on this show as, uh, you know, characters like him and, and Livewire and Metallo and some of those really, you know, regular reoccurring villains that we run into in Superman definitely, uh, I think, got a shot in the arm as far as their uh, appearances in the main DC Comics continuity as well. So funny, funny story. I looked it up as we were talking here, and uh, actually, the original Parasite debuted back in 1966 in Action Comics number 340. However, that was a different version. It was not the Rudy Jones version. The Rudy mm-hmm. Jones version of Parasite first appeared in Firestorm volume number two, number 58, and was created by John Ostrander and Joe Brozowski. So go figure. There you go. Uh, there you go. So that's that again. That's more of a modern. That's the modern appearance. That's the the Rudy Jones character is the one that we are introduced to here as we uh, as we jump into our plot. But uh, the, of course, the, the episode starts out. We we get introduced to Rudy, who is uh, not very good at operating a forklift. <laughs> yeah, we we find out very quickly uh, that he's uh, this janitor at Star Labs, and uh, apparently uh, through some throwaway dialogue between uh, him and his. Uh, his his hoodlum friend who he's helping steal these canisters of mysterious chemicals uh, like you do uh, uh, <laughs> that that he's uh, maybe gotten into a little bit of trouble with a bookie and that uh, you know this guy's gonna help him pay off his debts if he helps him steal but of course uh, wouldn't you know it everybody there knows Rudy because he's this kind of nice quiet janitor and they're like hey what are you doing driving driving a forklift and uh, yeah. It, it kind of goes south from there. He and he and uh, he and Mr. LeBeau get away by starting a fire uh, after after LeBeau tries to shoot uh, the security guards to death. And uh, and Rudy kind of stops him. But uh, after shoot, just blindly firing uh, multiple rounds into a uh, into a, a room full of uh, dangerous vats of chemicals, a uh, fire is started and. Thankfully, Superman's there to uh, to put it out. Uh, he was actually, and this this is worth noting, but, Cal, as a trivia note. So Superman's yeah. there yeah. Uh, because this is the first episode, the first appearance of the anti-Kryptonite suit. There we go. And it was definitely one of those uh, foreshadowing moments because they drop it in the first, I don't know, 30 seconds of the episode. Uh, Professor Hamilton, uh, who, of course, works for Star Labs, is talking with Superman, and they've created this suit that is made out of a lead aluminum alloy, I think he says, so it's, like, pliable. Feel anything? Nothing. I feel fine. Now, this metal's too hard to be lead. Titanium lead alloy? Exactly. And the helmet is leaded polycarbonate. Materials that will not only withstand kryptonite, but, well, let's say I took into account the type of day you're likely to put the suit in. My professor, you make it sound like I go out looking for trouble. He's turned it into a suit that, that can take some damage... Uh, Professor Hamilton makes a joke about Superman's lifestyle choices and what type of situations he finds himself in. So uh, he made it 
it's not just a straight lead suit a la Iron Man. It's something that can kind of move and bend with Superman. So that they kind of explain or, you know, use use that to explain how Superman's lead suit is fully functional and looks more like a, you know, a jumpsuit of some kind. So, um, so yeah. And then, of course, Rudy just won't sit down in the back of the gosh darn <laughs> pickup truck. And that ultimately leads to him turning into the parasite. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll get into more of that in uh, in visuals certainly, but yeah, he has the super kids listen. Per- <laughs> if you're running away, if you're riding in the back of a pickup truck, first of all, it's illegal because I imagine all 50 states have seatbelt laws now. But if you're riding in the back in the bed of a pickup truck, number one rule is you sit your butt down because. <laughs> Only yep. bad things can happen. And in this case, Rudy didn't learn that lesson. And wouldn't you know it? Yep. Some chemical spill on him and he turns into the parasite. <laughs> Tale as old as time. <laughs> as we like to say on this show. Yeah, um, that we do. And uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, he goes through the super horrific trans, uh, transformation. And yeah, we get like the first, you know, five or so minutes of the episode. It's pl- almost played like this sort of ominous horror movie scene where we you know we see this horrific transformation and then he you know he uh, the first sort of time he springs back to light he he's uh, draining the energy from a rat and then he you know yep. costs uh, a female police officer late at night on an empty bridge and it's kept very like ominous and creepy and then like we cu- we hard cut to him just in broad daylight in full uh like normal parasite look like we don't how, where do you think like the white like stuff comes from? On the white suit? strips. Yeah, like does he paint those on? You think? Did he get those tattooed? He went. I think it's just duct tape. Like I think he just went and got some like or reflective tape. He just went and got some reflective tape. He's like, listen, if I'm gonna be out and about and I'm all purple, clearly this car almost hit me the first time. It was lucky she slammed on the brakes. So if I'm gonna be out and about, it's like a it's like a jogger at night. You gotta wear reflective tape so that you know, <laughs> so that you don't get hit by cars and so that other motorists can see you. So I think it's reflective tape. Could be paint though. You're right. <laughs> I, I yeah I, that that makes as much sense as anything. But regardless, yeah he he goes and confronts this uh, LeBeau who kind of left him to die, and uh, that leads to Superman finding him, and 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 of course he gets to drain Superman for the first time, and and then from there that's kind of the rest of the episode is you know the parasite goes on a rampage, uh, Superman and and Jimmy kind of learn that oh the parasite's effects are only temporary because the the female police officer eventually. Uh, uh, regains consciousness, um, and then we, uh, which leads to actually a really great scene where uh, Clark is seemingly feeling better. He's about to go out as Superman when when Parasite grabs him again and, and drains him again, uh, which I thought was really clever. That's actually one of my, I think, one of my favorite bits of this is beyond just him taking powers. I like the idea that he gains every like everyone's memories and voices too. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because I think that that adds to that sort of feeling of when the parasite's out there, Superman's never really safe because if he touches him for a second, he kind of knows everything, you know, much less all the power, the physical power he can take from him. He also knows where he lives. He can, you know, know about his family and all of that. So I think I think that was really I think that might be one of the more clever parts of maybe adding a little bit to that parasite character beyond just being the the power stealer. 
Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that that works really well. And I actually think his strategy of keeping Superman as sort of his his uh, his battery, as it were, you know, he's got to recharge every 12, 12 hours. He's going to keep him chained up and um... comfy. Where are we? Why don't you use your x-ray vision? I can't. Ah, shucks. Well, all you need to know is it ain't your apartment. It's mine now. Fits my new ritzy lifestyle. When I don't go to work, people will come looking for me. Hi, Perry. That cold of mine is acting up again. I think I'm going to be out sick for a while. You see, Soups? You're my new meal plan. Figure I'll keep you here, pop back every 12 hours or so for a recharge. In fact, it's feeding time right about now. You know, it, it was it was interesting that Clark Clark's first thought is, well, they're going to come looking for Clark Kent. But yeah, OK, what is that like? Even if Clark Kent goes missing, what does it matter? Like, right. they're going to come looking into a basement at Star Labs for him. It doesn't that doesn't mean anything. Um and if Superman continues to go, I mean, if Superman's missing, that's a much bigger story than if Clark Kent disappears. But, uh, you know, his strategy ultimately backfires as he's holding him in the basement of Star Labs of all places. Like, why? <laughs> like, I would have appreciated, like, maybe a throwaway line or something where, you know, he says, well, I, you know, I hid you here because this was the, you know, the last place they would ever think to look for you. There's no real explanation. There's, there's, there's even, so photographer jimmy olsen notices <laughs> his flight his flight direction is south which is where where star labs is and uh, perry white says oh yeah well the police already checked that out and there's no validity to it and and you know the, jimmy decides to be gumshoe jimmy and, and and take up his investigative tools and go goes and finds exactly where rudy is like it so it didn't take a genius so i, I guess I guess he didn't get Superman's intelligence because I wouldn't think I don't think Superman's dumb. So maybe he doesn't no. maybe he doesn't absorb the intelligence of the people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's like the the one thing that he doesn't get with with people. Uh, but yeah, that that to me. <laughs> yeah, that to me was like having Jimmy be the one that figures it out. I thought was like it's kind of an insult to like Lois and Perry and like every other. Lois wasn't even this episode at all, was she? Uh, she's in. She's getting yelled at by Perry. I don't even know if she actually speaks in this episode. Um, yeah. But uh, she, yeah, but she, but she's kind of one of the reporters that's kind of throwing up their hands, going, "We don't know where he, where Superman is," and and Jimmy, sort of of his own volition, decides to go check out this uh, this Star Labs lead, and you know is able it's also it's very fortuitous that jimmy knew morse code because he hears super <laughs> superman hears jimmy speaking and begins banging on a pipe uh you know bangs out sos in morse code uh knocking on the pipe and jimmy happens to to figure it out very pretty quickly and uh and he also happened to, to guess that there would be a uh, service entrance right behind that stack of lockers yeah and i guess it's good the lockers aren't like bolted to the <laughs> Bolted to the wall. A lot of a lot of happenstance uh, and unfortunate circumstances for our heroes in this episode. But uh, yeah, and then you know Jimmy helps Superman get free, and as as you mentioned, the sort of Chekhov's uh, anti-kryptonite suit returns, and uh, 
yep. Superman is sort of able to avoid getting uh, getting uh, drained again after they sort of have this brief fight uh, throughout Star Labs. And then, uh, of course, what a perfect ending, but he is uh, hoisted by his own batard as he has all of Superman's power. But he also, of course, that means that he has his weaknesses, so he is undone by trying to drain Superman, but Superman ducks, and he instead grabs hold of a chunk of kryptonite, and, yep. uh, and that sort of uh, puts him out of commission, so... And we and we kind of end with the uh, you know the villain will return ending where he's sort of sitting motionless in his cell and then we see a a roach crawling by him and he absorbs it and kind of smiles so we get kind of a you know again that sort of dramatic uh, horror movie villain ending but uh, yep. yeah I would say I like this episode certainly but I, I think the way we've just been laying it out here a lot of that third act of like how Superman gets free and Jimmy being the one to figure it out and Jimmy knowing Morse code and Jimmy <laughs> doing all of this. <laughs> I was like, eh, that might bring it down a few points for me. So like I said, I think it's good, but I think there's certainly stuff to kind of, to pick at there. And that's, uh, I think why I gave plot a six out of 10. <laughs> uh, I gave this the exact same score, six out of 10. <laughs> uh, and I mean, it, it's funny. You know, I was watch. I watched this episode with my wife, and she was actively rooting for Jimmy Olsen to get killed, uh, based <laughs> on just, the, just based on the stupidity of him, like you know, trying to save the day and not. She's like, "You're down there now. Run up and get help." And Superman's yelling at him to do the same thing, and he's like, "Oh crap! Parasite's here!" And he's like, "Hide!" It's like, "Oh yeah, he has Superman's power, so he can see right through it." Superman, why didn't you tell him that he's got like X-ray vision? She's like, right. "You're an my wife screaming. You're an idiot at this cartoon." <laughs> so, it was great. Um, yeah, that last that last little bit. I do I do like the plot. I think that it's simple enough. There also wasn't a lot of. How does Parasite, again, I guess if the explanation is that he doesn't get the intelligence, because it's sort of intimated at the beginning that he's not the brightest guy. Um, you know, he's kind of a schlubby loser. So that would kind of explain it. But he 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 doesn't he has Superman's power and he uses it to rob banks. That, yeah. and that's all. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And Superman even kind of mentions that while he's trying to distract him so that Jimmy can hide. You know, he's talking about like you've had my power for I don't know, I forget how long they say it's it was at been, least a week. A week. Yeah. And you know, what have you done with it? You've like what is right? What is Parasite doing with the money? I mean, that's probably always a thing <laughs> when when a supervillain robs a bank. You're like, well, but no, you can't like go to Mexico and you know, or, or you know, or anything. Like it's I guess you can. You know, he's not walking it. into bank. He's not walking into Bank of America and opening up right. a, a checking account and like, yeah, I'll deposit all this stolen money, please. Like, he's not right. doing that. He, he's not. He, you think he's got like a? You think he's got like a? Uh, you know, a, a, an advisor or something like that that he contacts. <laughs> hey, who should I invest this stolen money into? You know, that's like that. Who? I wonder who that is. Is that like the calculator's job? And anything of like some obscure uh, the bookworm like there's got to be some obscure dc comics villain that's like acts as like accountant and financial advisor to like all super villains we know it's the institution is probably the same institution that issued two-face a credit card <laughs> if, you, if you recall back in two-face part two he opens his wallet and there's a credit card with the name two-face on it but that's, we that's sorry 
we we digress. Uh, so yeah, both of us gave plot a six out of ten. Uh, I don't think either <laughs> of us hate hate the episode. It's just there's no. some there's some significant holes in the plot here that don't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, cool. All right, moving on. Let's talk animation visuals. Uh, we are you already alluded to it, Liam, uh, but that first uh, first opening like ten minutes or so leading up to uh, the and through the the transformation uh, in, uh, from Rudy into Parasite is just absolutely gorgeous. It's terrifying in a lot of ways. You get the uh, the horror movie trope of the hand on the window with the uh, you know dragging down the back of the of the uh, mm-hmm. of the window as the as the the getaway driver looks in the rear view and he sees the hand on the back of the on the pickup truck dragged down with sort of the chemical streaking down with it. Very horror movie esque. There's also as the cop comes up on Rudy as he's standing in the middle of the bridge, he's all hunched over, kind of like you know like a hunchback character. And he, he just kind of mm-hmm. looks, and you just see the whites of the eyes. Um, so I, I thought that even, and even as he's initially sort of transforming in, in the, the back of the pickup truck, he looks very visually similar to the original, like action comics drawings of, of Parasite and even like a, like a first appearance of Clayface type character in, uh, in detective mm-hmm. comics where he's kind of, he's li- like, he's covered in whatever these chemicals are. So he's not like a solid smooth character. It was, it's, mm-hmm. it's very, very good. Uh, very good scene for visuals in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. is like, you see it, it just sort of envelop his body and you, and you, and, uh, there's great, great sound in the scene too, as, as maybe we'll talk later in, uh, in, in music and in, uh, in voice acting, but yeah, you see like the, there's like some sort of fumes coming off of his body as you can tell he's like, his skin is burning off and it's, and yep. yeah, he's just screaming in pain. And, uh, as, as we mentioned the, the shot of, uh, he's just, his body is just laying on the beach and this rat walks up to him and, you know, the hand kind of suddenly springs to life and he absorbs it. And, um, yeah, the, the shot of him, uh, sort of, then later when uh you know the the cop pulls pulls the gun on him and tells him to drop what's in his hand and he just drops the rat the rat is twitching uh in his hand That's because it's still alive he didn't he didn't kill it they can't right. show death no the rat right. is still Even alive the rat still has to be around, alive but it, that <laughs> i mean honestly that adds i think to the creepy factor almost sure this absolutely. like weird twitching rat on the ground as you know as he lurches towards her as you mentioned yeah I think that's really good. Like I said, I, I think the scene where where Clark is, is sorting, sort of feeling better and is, you know, about to change into his Superman outfit and and go out on patrol and, and Parasite grabs him again and uh, absorbs his power and, and sort of overpowers them. As Clark is sort of, he's still in mostly in his Clark Kent guy. He still has like the tie sort of loosely around his neck and and his you know his shirt is unbuttoned and you see the Superman costume underneath as he's sort of being drained uh, i actually thought they did a good job of illustrating his power too of like because my memory of the parasite on the show was it's just kind of like it looks like both guys are getting electrocuted but if you kind of follow right the lines of energy you see it like start in the person that he's draining and go into him and they both have this sort of pink hue around them as well like i thought they did a good job of visualizing as best you can visualize something like that uh, you know, him yeah, actually absolutely. absorbing the powers as well, or absorbing the you know, the life force out of the other person. I thought they did a really good job with that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of cool stuff. I liked 
you can see Superman pull a, a laser, a gun, a laser gun, I guess, uh, <laughs> on him to, to try to, to buy some time in Star Labs at the end. I actually really like to see him when the fire is going on. And uh, we, we've talked about this before. When you watch these early episodes, you'll notice very quickly that, well, you know, about the first five or six episodes is where they got all of the clips for the uh, opening title um, <laughs> as you know, the shot at the, you know, there's fire everywhere. And then, and you know, and the, the guards are screaming for help. And then we see Superman, you know, walk through to the fire. And I was like, Oh, that's the shot in the opening. Uh, <laughs> when, when the theme plays at the start of the episode, there's um, some great hashtag Kate movement in that scene. Yes, absolutely. Because um, the fire is sort of backlighting him, and he's, you know, the fire is sort of behind him, and his cape is blowing, and he's. Oh yeah. Uh, it gives you a nice up close shot of his face. Yeah, that that, that visual, I, that was one where I was like, yep, that's uh, that's noteworthy right there. And the, yeah, and he, uh, we get to see him kind of uh, use a myriad of his powers, uses his X-ray vision to find a, you know, a, a pipe, and he pulls that out and puts out the fire with, uh, you know, with the water from the pipe. So. I always like seeing Superman get to use his brain a little bit, too. So, yeah, a lot of really strong visuals in this episode. I actually gave it a 9 out of 10. Ah, very good. Uh, I actually ended up giving it a perfect 10 out of 10. um, Yeah, one of the other things that I really, really enjoyed uh, beyond that, of course, uh, so you have... Both on both ends of the spectrum, but, but with Parasite and Superman, you have Superman who's slowly gaining his powers back, and Parasite who's slowly losing his powers from Superman. So there are various different visualizations that they had to do of those those powers sort of working at half strength. Uh, mm-hmm. Parasite goes to rob a bank and he uses the X-ray vision, but it starts to sort of fade. Uh, Superman is attempting to use his heat vision to burn through the chains, and like the the chain heats up, but doesn't doesn't quite melt. Um, so I, you know, I thought that again, those are little things, but I thought that th- mm-hmm. th- that worked well. Uh, of course, we beyond also the introduction of the anti-kryptonite suit. This is the first appearance also of Superman, although it's not used, but Superman's space suit, which uh, would become yes. a, a series regular also. Uh, missing, of course, from this from this uh, series or from this scene would be his underwater suit, which makes an appearance also later on. Yes. Um, but uh, let's see. There was one additional visual here that I meant to, that I make it, made a note of. Ah, yes. Okay. So we would be remiss not to mention in the final scene as Clark and Jimmy and Professor Hamilton are observing <laughs> Parasite that Clark Kent was given a brand new suit. Did you happen to notice that? Yeah, he's wearing like uh, like brownish blazer and khaki pants and a black tie. Yes, I, 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 I don't know. It's sort of the reverse Bruce Wayne almost because <laughs> the, the jacket is khaki and the pants are darker brown. Oh, you're right, you're right. You're um, right. But, but it's definitely um, in the same – I would say they went to the same tailor. It's like the same <laughs> style, uh, same color scheme, lots they of brown. There were a lot of mustard yellow shirts though, unfortunately for Clark. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately for Clark, he couldn't complete the ensemble, so he's kind of a kind of a 
kind of a rube. Um, I also thought it was very kind of the parasite to continue undressing Superman uh, after he broke in on him. To, uh, you know, after he breaks into Clark's Clark's apartment as super, he's mid transformation. He wakes up later in the uh, Star Labs base, basement, completely undressed in his Superman uh, costume. Yep. So it was just nice, nice of Rudy to 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 do that for him <laughs> while he was unconscious. I thought that does beg the question: Is the cape always there and it's just like balled up behind his shirt? <laughs> Uh, that uh, these are questions that that I think only us as DCAU speculators or the creators themselves can answer. So I think it's our duty where if <laughs> there isn't a straight answer and one that we can discover that we have to make it up and stick by it until it's proven otherwise. So I think that's yeah. <laughs> he just balls I it mean, up like a sleeping bag and he just rolls it all up against <laughs> against his traps. It's a, Maybe it's maybe it's like made of super clingy material, like like mm. shrink wrap or something, and it just sticks to them underneath of it. And then I, I don't know, but that wouldn't make any sense. How it would then fly in the wind? So maybe not. We we have to we have to workshop this a little bit. Get get yeah, back we'll get, to you. We'll but, get back uh, to you later this month. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, I yeah ended up giving visuals uh, animation visuals ten out of ten. Um, also also thought uh, one final thing to mention is in the in the uh, the culmination of the final scene as Rudy rips off the face covering of Superman's mask, they have this scene where you see his finger start coming towards Superman's face, and they give you the the perspective from Superman's vision as the finger starts to come towards yeah. him. And electricity that shoots off of it i thought that was that was really great too uh but yeah really really strong as far as visuals are concerned so uh let's move on lamb to music um so uh you and i have been talking uh for the last two months because we, we reviewed two different shows about how what a difference that uh when you're able to sort of isolate music and listen to it on its own versus you know having to try and listen to it while you're watching the show and with sound effects and voice acting on top of it um, and i will say that this to me uh, with the benefit of having the superman soundtrack and being able to watch this episode and then go back and listen to music tracks individually i i've made my case for myself and why that it's so vitally important to fully appreciate what the composers do. Uh, I know Michael McQuistion worked on the music for this week's episode. In order to fully appreciate what these artists have done and the soundtracks that they've uh, they've they've spent time and energy on in order to to craft, to fully appreciate them, listening to them in isolation just creates such a different experience for me. Because I can tell yep. you, um, when I watched this episode, the music was there and. I noticed it uh, in bits and pieces, but going back and being able to listen to isolated tracks throughout uh, brought out this uh, recognition of this Parasite theme. Like it stands out much more uh, when you can listen to these tracks in isolation. Yeah, there's there's really no uh, no substitute for, for that, especially you know for us when we're trying to you know analyze this stuff and we, we want to make sure we're, we're you know we're giving all four of our categories our uh, our due diligence so to speak and uh, yeah that's i thought i loved the the, the theme for this week's episode uh, the music for this week's episode it, it felt very similar to me to an earlier episode of uh, batman the animated series in that there was really dramatic orchestra music uh, that really i thought added to the scenes yeah, towards the end there, as we, as we talk about when when 
Superman's trying to distract Parasite from Jimmy, and then he sort of figures it out, and he goes to confront Jimmy, the music swells, and it's really dramatic and over-the-top and exciting and fast-paced, and um, I thought that the music, when the fire starts, is also really good, and, and and as we mentioned, that that shot of, of Superman coming and standing through the fire is sort of this really dramatic, uh, you know, uh, danger dangerous music playing. And then Superman, as he steps through the fire, you get you get a few notes of the of Shirley Walker's Superman theme. I, I really love the music this week quite a bit. Yeah, it's it's really strong. Um, I would encourage you. So if if you have the ability to, I you see the the problem is, is I don't think that they at least not on it's not on Spotify. I don't know. I'm not an Apple Music guy, so you could check it out on Apple and see if it's on Apple Music. Um, but there's two tracks in in particular. I have the the, the soundtracks downloaded. Um, so there's two soundtrack or two two particular tracks that I would advise checking out. One of them is uh, Parasite Saps Police. So that's the scene, uh, of course, where he sort of goes through the transformation and then mm-hmm. uh, meets meets the officer on the bridge and and that first interaction there. And then there's also Superman Saves Jimmy. Um, again, those are both Michael McQuiston pieces, but those those stood out to me. And the Superman Saves Jimmy track is obviously the the final. It's the final battle. It's the culmination mm-hmm. of everything. And you really get the parasite, like you, the parasite um, uh, a theme mixed with, which is just kind of horns that are kind of repeating, um, and that's mixed with. Uh, you get the Superman theme in there, and then that leads up into that final it. scene where you know parasite has been captured, and it kind of gives mm-hmm. you that little last little twinge there where he zaps the cockroach, and it just adds to the you know. He's, he'll be back type theme. So really, really strong. I really liked it. Um, I gave music this week an eight out of 10. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm right in that same ballpark. I went nine out of 10. I thought it was nice. uh, really, really strong. And again, this is, uh, I haven't as of our recording uh, gone back and listened to just the soundtrack, but I thought even just watching it in the episode, I thought that you know, the few scenes I mentioned there and, and certainly the ones you brought out because the music again it really adds to that ominous horror movie feel that they went for for that for that first act of uh, of the episode with with you know him attacking the police officer and everything so they yeah they really they really did a, a tremendous um, and specifically as as we mentioned Michael Bequistian was the composer for this episode uh, really just a tremendous job all around agreed all right, Liam, let's move to our final category of the day, which, of course, will be voice acting. Uh, we have uh, not a huge cast, as we mentioned, uh, not a ton of people. We do have a couple new characters that I'm not sure if they even make appearances uh, after this week in our voice cast. <laughs> uh, so we'll be interested to see if that, that does happen again. But who's, uh, who's notable in our voice cast for this week? Yeah, we have uh, a few of the regulars. We have... Uh, we have George Dunza as Perry White, you know, who, as we mentioned, is sort of there to uh, tell Jimmy that his uh, theory, which ends up being correct, is not right, <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, sort of be the you know, the exasperated newsman. Um, we have Lauren Tom as Angela Chen. Uh, very briefly, she sort of narrates footage of the parasites' rampage and. And then, yeah, we have a, we'll get to, a, of course, our, our main players here. Um, we have, speaking of, but speaking of our, our guest cast here, we have uh, Robert Patrick uh, as the Lebeau, the, uh, the, the, the criminal who uh, con- convinces poor Rudy Jones to help him steal these chemicals. Uh, <laughs> Robert Patrick, of course, best known as uh, 
for being in uh, the John Cena movie, The Marine. Um, there you go. Just kidding. He was, uh, <laughs> he was, uh, he's the villain in Terminator. <laughs> he's the villain in Terminator too. Uh, he's the liquidy, liquid metal Terminator guy. Um, there you go. So uh, it's interesting. Again, we always, it's always funny uh, to see like, pr- you know, pretty, you know, notable actors show up in these kind of bit parts. But uh, that's the uh, the talent of uh, Andrea Romano, I think, as the, as the uh, voice director and caster to kind of think of these these uh, kind of well-known character actors for these minor roles. But yeah, we have a uh, Mel Winkler as commissioner Henderson. Yeah. I, like, I guess I didn't, I guess every town has a commissioner, but I didn't really think we never, like the only cops we ever see on the show are Turpin and Maggie Sawyer, at least that get named. I thought. So right. it's, uh, it's interesting. His, uh, he does in fact play, I wanted to mention this. He plays, a. Uh, Aku Aku, which is the weird mask thing in the Crash Bandicoot games. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that's what that it is. is that's a super random random voice casting there. Yeah, it. I mean, it's funny visually. He looks very Morgan Freeman esque. Like I feel like they were just yes. like, hey, draw Morgan. Hey, Bruce, can you draw Morgan Freeman for us? And then we're gonna make him the the commissioner. Um, but yeah, that was it was that was a strange one that popped up, and I was like, "Huh, I wonder if he ever shows up again in Superman," because I have no recollection of the Commissioner <laughs> character ever ever being a, a a thing again. Yeah, he yeah, I uh, from what I can tell, this is his only appearance, and uh, yeah, it's just kind of he's just kind of randomly there talking to Jimmy and Clark at uh, at the scene of uh, one of the crimes and. Uh, yeah, it was just random because, as we mentioned, we you know we see Turpin and, and Maggie Sawyer all the time, but and obviously there was like there's the evil cop who you know frames Clark you know or, or blows up Clark Kent's car in the late Mr. Kent, but we don't uh, we don't see very many uh, we we see like the random uh, the SCU SWAT guys like we don't see we don't really see a lot of named cops or plainclothes cops in this show, so that was kind of a, a weird little thing. Right. But uh, yeah, also we have we have Victor Brandt as Professor Hamilton. Um, uh, it's always interesting to me going back to Superman because the guy they got to play him in, in JLU is just he doesn't sound the slightest bit like the, uh, you know, the guy who uh, Victor Brandt who plays him on uh, on Superman, the animated series. It's just it's just very weird because I think maybe, you know, I, I rewatched the those JLU episodes that he's in more frequently. So that voice sticks in my head more. But obviously, uh, you know, Mr. Brandt here is the originator. So if anything, it's, it should be the JLU episodes that feel weird to me. <laughs> but uh, it's always weird whenever his name pops up. But then, yes, of course, we have uh, Brian James playing uh, Rudy Jones, a.k.a. the Parasite. Um, and like the whole episode, I'm like, this guy's voice reminds me of someone. And it dawned on me uh, when he when he gets in the car and he and he pretends to be the female police officer and like calls off backup. And then he goes, Edna, who's Edna? Where did I get, or where did I get that or whatever? And it's, as he's sort of realizing his powers, I was like, Oh my gosh, he sounds like Norm MacDonald. All units request assistance on old ocean road. Uh, this is four, two negative on the assistance. I'm fine. Edna. 10, four. You gave me a scare there. All units disregard call for assistance. <laughs> Edna? Where the heck did I get Edna? 
<laughs> yeah, that's a good call. He does have a Norm Macdonald, a uh, famous famous comedian. Uh, like yes, he has a very similar delivery to him. You are correct in that. That's a that's good. I would not have identified that. I could tell you that yes, there was some familiarity to his voice also that I would not have have uh, pinned down. But yeah, that's that's a really good comparison. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It just sucked me up. But then I was, I was, I was, I was imagining it back and forth. I was imagining Superman fighting comedian Norm Macdonald, and I was imagining the Parasite doing, you know, Weekend Update in the mid '90s on SNL. So <laughs> it's just it made it made for quite a good time every time he spoke for the rest of the episode. Once I figured it out. Oh um, man, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I like him as the Parasite. I liked it, especially I think at the beginning of the episode. For, once he becomes the parasite, he's kind of a more of a one note, you know, I'm evil now villain. You know, I'm I was the guy who got pushed around and now I'm going to push people around. But I think at the start of the episode when he's, uh, you know, kind of being bullied by by this this uh, thug that he's, you know, helping steal and he's trying to play it off with the security guards. But he's, you know, inept and and not very confident. I, th- I thought he did a pretty good job and. Uh, you know, it's certainly a very memorable performance uh, as the parasite. And then, of course, we have uh, we have Tim Dele- uh, Tim, Tim Daly as Superman. Uh, again, we've talked about it. It's it's been quite a few episodes since we've heard him play this role uh, on our show here. And uh, I think he does a good job. Again, a lot of his job in this episode is just kind of to react to you know the parasite. <laughs> Um, but we do get to see a little bit of him, you know, Superman kind of gets to use his head a little bit and, you know, he can't, when you have a villain that like this, we, we've talked about that in the past with like Metallo episodes and stuff like that. It's always kind of fun to see, uh, uh, him stretch his muscles that way. And I, I think he does a good job of sort of playing like this exhausted, you know, exasperated Superman, like the more, the more and more he's, he's being drained. So yeah, I think, I think he does a good job in this episode. Yeah, his his performance was was I think uh, I mean he had to carry a lot of it. It was him and him and Rudy uh, were the were the main main two voices that you hear for the majority outside of Jimmy Olsen. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, this was this was an episode that I I felt like you know we I think we talked about we've jumped around with Superman obviously we haven't gone uh, in order with those episodes mm-hmm. so it's interesting to hear him sort of on the earlier episodes maybe still struggling or, or working to find that voice um, and, a, and a comfortability with it and I, I think that this episode if you played this episode for me and and I didn't know that it was the first season um, I would have I would have felt like it seemed like he was pretty comfortable in, in his uh, in his role mm-hmm yeah, agreed. And as you mentioned, I almost somehow I almost forgot to mention him. But uh, yeah, we also have David Kaufman as Jimmy Olsen. This is probably the most Jimmy we've gotten in a single episode so far, and uh, mm-hmm. he's he's fine. Um, but uh, again, like we talked about, I think this episode would have served been served better to have uh, you know Dana Delaney's Lois Lane be in the role that Jimmy's in 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 the in the le- later half of this episode. So. I'd, uh, I, I, I don't think he does a terrible job or anything, but, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm just not a huge fan of this Jimmy character, at least so far from what we've seen. Yeah, I, he's, yeah, he's fine. Like he, he has a role to play the Jimmy. I, yeah, I'm just not a fan of the Jimmy Olsen character as a, mm-hmm. as a character period. So it's hard. I, I don't think that the, that his, his acting job did anything to, 
harm or or help the character in this this episode though yeah no i think that's fair um it's it's all fine uh i didn't think anyone's great i don't think anyone's terrible in the episode um so i gave voice acting a seven out of ten uh, I want to take higher. I went eight out of ten. Um, I think between between Parasite and Superman, I th- I thought that they they carried it enough uh, to give it to give it a strong enough performance, especially in the final like the the back and forth between Parasite and Superman is you know it's a it's a gamesmanship almost uh, between the two of them and you know that Rudy taunting Superman their their first interaction where he has to you know he he suckers Superman in I thought that that was that was really good because he he's clearly at least you know we have the benefit of the doubt the viewer does knowing what his powers are but he's clearly selling this like so over the top like, <laughs> I've become a monster Superman. <laughs> Rudy? Rudy Jones? Put that man down. Shit. What's happened to you? I don't know, Superman. It's as if I've turned into some kind of monster. Can you help me? Let me take you back to Star. Maybe Professor Hamilton can treat you. Okay, Superman. Just don't hurt me. I won't. Hang on. Oh, you can count on So that's what real power feels like. Good heavens. What is that? What's he done to Superman? Like, you know, like, sure. Oh, no, don't wait. Stop. Come back. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> very Willy Wonka-ish. So, yeah, I, I really I really appreciated that and gave it, thought it was good enough to give it an 8 out of 10. All right, Liam. Well, that will bring us to totaling up our final scores for the to, uh, for the day. Uh, totaling everything up, uh, that will bring my final score to a very respectable 32 out of 40. Yeah, and I'm right behind you at a, a 31 out of 40. There you go. All right. So as far as rewatchability, even though I think uh, I we gave the plot a lower score and sometimes that can certainly uh, influence on whether or not we recommend a rewatch of this episode. I would say yes, because it's pivotal to a character that makes multiple additional appearances, uh, both in Superman, the animated series. And then again, in uh, justice league unlimited um, it's a, it's a fun episode. Even if the plot doesn't hundred percent make sense all the time, I'd say give it a rewatch. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think it's it's solid, like you said. It's got a um, it's got an important part to play as far as introducing a recurring character, and then yeah, on top of that, you got some really really great visuals as, as we talked about that I think kind of make it worth a rewatch just for that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well that will wrap us up for this week's episode. Thank you for tuning in, and checking us out. Uh, don't forget you can follow us on our social media pages. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Liam runs our Instagram. You can check us out at DCAU Review on there. Uh, check out uh, – we'll, we usually give out previews the week before 
discuss maybe what our upcoming episodes are of course and then we're always talking about the latest in dcau news on there also don't forget to check us out on our instagram page at dcau review check out our flashback fridays if you're not if you haven't listened to our entire archives at dcaureview.com we highlight one each week for you to go back and and take a listen to so that's always fun as well as you know talking about what else is going on in the world of the dcau at that time uh but yeah anything else liam no i uh, i think we can kind of wrap it up there uh, we will of course be staying with superman for the rest of the month and you can join us back here next week for our review of the episode my girl as we get the not the first appearance but i guess the first adult appearance of lana lang into superman the animated series there we go. Uh, she, you know, of course, she plays a big role in one of your favorite series of all time, Smallville. Oh yeah. So uh, we get to see the DCA, DCAU version of Lana, and uh, finally introduced here. Well, reintroduced as you stated, uh, making her second appearance after the last son of, her appearance in the Last Son of Krypton. Yeah, that'll uh, wrap us up for this week. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check us out on our social medias and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And until next week, I'm Liam. And I'm Cal. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.